everybody, and welcome to another Almost Spring episode of Ignite Radio Live. Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, you are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter and two very special guests. Whom we'll introduce very shortly, but folks, we've had some really awesome conversations over the past weeks that have addressed some of the most difficult subjects that I'm sure you are reading about and discussing and arguing and hopefully not losing family or friends over. But these conversations, you can find out more at IgniteRadioLive.com. Last week alone, we had Scott Hahn talking about It Is Right and Just, talking about the foundations of organized society from a Catholic perspective. And that's just a peak your appetite. Check that out. And uh, we do encourage you to join us ultimately on the journey of making our homes places of ever-deepening encounter with Jesus Christ. That is the cornerstone of civilization, and we take it for granted. I might submit to you that I think the bar is very low. When we talk about marriage or family, what, what does that evoke in our minds? What do we think God has designed us for? Are we aspiring to that design? Because uh, if we are, and we're really after it, to that extent, we're going to experience the abundant life, John 10.10. With no further ado, so excited tonight on the theme of formation of humanity in the shadow of tumult, in the midst of tumult, in the cauldron, the fiery cauldron of tumult over the last year and years, uh, do we not need to ask the question, what is necessary for a uh, organized society, for a humanity that's operating the way we're meant to operate? That certainly requires a formation in that. It doesn't just come to us. It requires a kind of formation. You might exchange even the word education, but we use the bigger word formation for humanity. And to help us discuss this, we have two very awesome students of the great Hillsdale College in Hillsdale, Michigan. Our son, John Paul Schleter. Say hi, John Paul. Hi, John Paul. He is no uh, no alien to our airwaves. He's been on before. And a dear friend who is surpassing in intellect and wisdom, Haley Streck, all the way from Sacramento, California. How are you, Haley? I don't know about that, but I'm doing well, thanks. By the way, Haley, you are truly heroic. Uh, in the few days that we've been blessed to have you at our house during your spring break, you did not expect to be roped into Schleter things. We had you uh, speak at a confirmation retreat, which was amazing. You just shared your story. Uh, and before we go further, let's just do that. Introduce yourself. We're excited, of course, um, just that you exist, Haley, but that you're coming into the Catholic <laughs> Church. And that's, that is really awesome. You and you're able to share that message. Ending. Give us just a brief 411 on who is Haley Strack. Right. So as you mentioned, I'm from California. Um, I grew up not from a faith background, but my dad was a Presbyterian. My mom's a non-practicing Catholic. So I kind of grew up around the Presbyterian community, never really saw God in that community. Um, Although now, of course, he's he's present to me just in a different way than uh, some of them would imagine. But I went to a Catholic high school, and that's kind of when I started considering Catholicism and what it meant and why it was important. Um, And then I started growing a personal relationship with Christ toward the end of my senior year and really through that summer. And then I, I got to Hillsdale College where obviously, you know, we study the higher things, we form the soul. And through that formation, I came to the Catholic Church mm-hmm. um, because that is, <laughs> that's the highest practice of the soul, right? The highest place you can learn to practice virtue. Mm. Um, so I will be coming into the church in 19 short days. Which yeah. Press so the applause excited. button. We don't have an applause button. <laughs> Let's just give her some real life. Magnified live. angels and saints. And John Paul, just imagine that nobody knows you, and we ask you to introduce yourself. Who are you? I am John Paul Schleter. 
I was born at a very young age. My mother didn't show up for my birth. And <laughs> I am a little regret that my, my wonderful parents have, uh, they love me through my craziness and they've dealt with me and I'm grateful for them. And they put me on the radio show so I can start my career in radio hat wearing modeling. And <laughs> yeah, that's about it. I'm a sophomore at Hillsdale College. I'm studying politics with a minor in classical education. So hopefully I can say some good things about it. Um, awesome. But yeah. Excellent. So folks, again, the subject formation for humanity. And maybe let's just start right away with the awareness that we need to be formed. We don't come into this world uh, understanding who we are. And what strikes you in that phrase, formation for humanity? What jumps out at you? What's important? Um, something that strikes out to me right away is what the for humanity means. And I think in the context of formation, it means both. It's a formation both for humans in the sense of helping them to be who they are meant to be. And with that, it necessarily entails a for humanity as in like for the other person, for the people around you. So like it's a formation like for yourself. So for a human being uh, to be fully human um, as well as you are doing it so that you can grow as a community in, in human society. Um, which is why formation is so important, is that it's both for the self and for the other. And that word formation, too, that's what struck me, because the word form implies that you're going to spend your whole life being formed, right? When you mm -hmm. form a work of art, when you form, when you compose something, um, it can always be added to, it can always be improved upon. So formation, while it's not necessarily something that we, our souls will not be formed at Hillsdale College, our souls will not be completely formed through classical education or on this life mm. or in this life. Um, but it's through the higher things that we learn mm. that formation. That's awesome. Let's talk crisis for a second. Is there a crisis right now in formation and how do you particularly see it play out? And when I say among your peers, I'm not speaking specifically of Hillsdale students, but your observations of your culture in general and certainly connected maybe to the to the broader demographic beyond your age or peers. Is there a crisis today in formation? And what are the implications of that crisis? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I went to public school before I went to Catholic high school and then Hillsdale. Um, and something that I learned through going to public school was not that we were taught how to learn, but that we were taught to learn. Um, so we were taught, you know, things that we needed to learn to get us through school. Um, we weren't taught mm. how to articulate things. We weren't really taught why we needed to know those things, just that we did and just that that was the core curriculum. Um, so seeing that play out, obviously, with the emergence of social media in our lifetimes, um, people don't really care about why they're being formed or just that they need to at all. They don't understand the implications of that education or how it's going to play out. Things are very temporal and very short term like satisfaction um, and what is going to make me happy or what is going to give me some short-term form of happiness which really isn't what education should be about you know as kids or as children it is our vocation to learn and it's our vocation right now to be students um, 
and these formative years, you know, there's a reason why they are formative is because our minds are so adaptable and so vulnerable. And if we're not taught in the right way, obviously people just spiral downward. Mm. I'm just going to say we're turning over the reins of this program right now to Haley and maybe John Paul can help. <laughs> we're very eloquent and beautiful. Mm -hmm. Awesome. John Paul. Yeah. Going off of that, I think that there's a crisis in formation, particularly about the identification of formation. Um, I would have used to say that the problem was it wasn't sure about the end that it was pursuing, um, that there was a confusion about what the purpose of formation is. Mm. Um, but now I think it's much more of the wrong prioritization of the ends that are pursued. So like Haley was saying, there's a, it seems that in education today, there is a lot of the pursuit of like getting a job or just like knowing facts about something. Mm -hmm. um, not so much about like why that's important um, because like the end of, and when I say end, I mean the purpose of, the purpose of mankind isn't to make money and the purpose of mankind isn't just to know, know something about mm. someone or something that happened 200 years ago or 10 years ago. That's not the purpose of mankind. And I think that our education system today is struggling with a crisis of identifying what the right mm. end or purpose of education is. And it lends itself to a lot of confusion. Um, and so people are very confused about why they have to go to school. Um, like I was blessed to be homeschooled and uh, that was great to be in an, in an environment where uh, I was surrounded by people that I think had the right ends, that had the right purpose of helping me discover what formation of the soul means. Um, but when I would talk to friends on whatever basketball team or soccer team or at work, like they just hated the idea of waking up and going to going to school and like they hated the idea of learning. And for them, it was just and I have to get through eighth grade and then I'm in high school, then get through high school, then I can study whatever I want in college. And now I'm talking to friends at different colleges and they're like, I just can't wait to graduate. Mm -hmm. um, and like for me, I'm excited about the idea of graduation. But I genuinely love the idea of learning. And something that Hillsdale has shown me is that learning is a lifelong pursuit. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just I think that a big difference between classical education and just the typical education that we see today is the wrong prioritization of of ends. And I think very often there is confusion about what the purpose of education is. The homeschooling curriculum that we used with the kids earlier um, was pretty solid when we started, and we did see Common Core, for example, just seep into it, and um, and it was becoming more and more just pragmatic and um, just not the formation of the whole person, not the formation of the soul. And so, um, without going into a lot of detail, we were at a point of needing to choose something else. And some dear friends of ours, shout out to the Weisenbergers. Woo, woo, we love you, Dr. Bob and Jean. Um, Carol's at Hillsdale. Yeah, it's true. Yes. And uh, so they were the ones who directed us to the Mother of Divine Grace School, if you will, that classical curriculum, which I really, it was all new to me. I had never really mm. delved into it much before. And because what we had been using seemed to be working well. And um, it was very, very quickly that I met Mother Divine Grace, a classical curriculum with great joy. 
But then also a lot of sadness because I thought, gosh, I wish we could have like rewound everything and mm. started out as our kids were really little um, and just build that foundation from there. So, you know, you get over that quickly and um, just the beauty that it was even with our kids not being in the younger grades, but just that whole different approach, you know, it just resonated with us and with them and um, the beauty of it, the absolute beauty of it. And it was, I just want to say also, you had said at the beginning of the show, you know, just focusing on that word formation, um, mm. if this could be an encouragement or a challenge or whatever to parents, whether it is with specific schooling education, whether you're homeschooling or, you know, have your kids in brick and mortar schools, but also in that formation of the home, that it, it is an act of forming. It is a deliberate thing. It doesn't just happen. And I think too often, even the best of parents with the best of intentions kind of let the kids re from little to older take over that formation and become, you know, the head former, <laughs> if you will. And um, so just, I guess, a word of encouragement that formation also comes in the correction, in the affirmation, in the... Um, uh, seizing, grasping, claiming your role as parent, as mom, as dad, that the Lord has entrusted to you these eternal souls and to be formed, to be formed in his truth, in goodness, in beauty. It really, I think, even opened our kids' eyes. And some of it, you know, is which was a difficulty. And John Paul, you could probably speak to this. I know with our son Joseph, um, it was also a struggle seeing some of his peers who were in, you know, brick and mortar schools and they were doing all of the, you know, they had hours of homework and they had, you know, for very demanding, whatever the science was, all these things, when so much of it really boils down to basic truths. And it, and it's not about how much of the content, but it is really the beauty of, you know, instilling a love for learning and teaching them, um, how to think, not just what to think. And j just, again, that view of the whole the whole person in front of you. Folks, you're tuning to Ignite Radio Live with Greg and Stephanie Schleter. Blessed to have our guest, Haley Strack from Sacramento, California, student at Hillsdale. John Paul, of course, our son at Hillsdale. And we're having a conversation about formation for humanity. And I like how John Paul set this up as a double entendre. It's formation for humanity in the sense that we are being formed, right, for a godly humanity. But also in the sense of we have a moral obligation that our very nature is to be formers of humanity, for humanity, for the other person. I like the image of Michelangelo's David. He was asked the question, you know, how did you sculpt this masterpiece and all that it takes in sculpting, you can imagine. And uh, Michelangelo simply answered, I took away all that wasn't David. So it's a great image for all of us that we come into this world created in the image and likeness of God in Jesus Christ. And life is about, like Michelangelo, taking away all that's not us. So back to the question, what's at stake? I think something that John Paul said that struck me was that like the ends differ from person to person. Well, that has to mean that the means differ also. And so mm -hmm. to me, there's really no reliable standard in education today. Um, it differs from state to state, obviously, for public schools. And then there are also different sects of Catholic schools. So I went to a LaSallean school, but there are also Jesuits, you know. Um, and so I think 
every standard, even homeschooling programs, from what I understand, they're all different. Um, so there's really no best place. You know, there's no highest standard for education right now. And you see that play out mm. so well in the identity crisis today. Mm. So when I went to school, I was taught kind of the love is love principle, you know, like love all of your classmates as the same. We're not in the context of we're children of God and it's okay to have differences, but in the context of, hey, this is respectful and it doesn't matter what respectful in the eyes of God means. It only matters that you are being nice to everyone for any reason. And while I think that kindness principle applies, you know, part of our mission on this earth is to get closer to Christ and to hopefully lead others closer to Christ. And that cannot come from a place of respecting sinful behavior. Mm. Um, and so, you know, when you talk about that standard or when you talk about how you see those crises play out today, that really means that we need to have something like somewhat of a higher calling that is understood cross-culturally. And I just don't think we do. Mm. Um, and again, that's so apparent on social media, right? Everyone, a lot of my friends back in California, they have their, his or her uh, in their bios on Instagram. Um, and if you don't have that and you go to maybe a UC um, or a different California school, you're publicly shamed. Um, and, and they would say rightfully so, you know, you're not respecting the rights of others if you do that or if you don't do that, I should say. But again, you come to Hillsdale and you'd be publicly shamed for having that in your bio. So where's the common ground and where's the common mm, understanding? Mm. Um, I just don't, I don't know how we would find that today. If we went into the movie Lord of the Rings, doesn't matter if you're agnostic, atheist, Buddhist, Muslim, you come into that movie theater, if you're cheering for Sauron and you're upset at the end that he, he was I defeated. I cheer for Sauron. <laughs> What's that? I cheer for Sauron. Oh, yeah, Big yeah. Sauron guy. Yeah, John Paul's our instigator. So uh, <laughs> versus Gandalf, right? The hero, Frodo, um, Bilbo, etc. You know, we share an understanding that there is an objective good. That there is an, and there are objective virtues, if you will, that we must subscribe to that have objective consequences. And if we lose sight of that objective landscape, it's a little bit like the road. You've got the berms that align it. And the world's been saying there are no lines. You can create that. But have you ever seen somebody smash into a berm going 70 miles an hour and not do damage to themselves? So we like to say often Cecil B. DeMille, the producer of the Ten Commandments, is it possible to break the Ten Commandments without being broken against them? We're a generation now, in my opinion, that has now seen the devastation of thinking we can create the rules of the road, thinking we can create objective truth, trying to factor that into our language. But at the end of the day, every single human being at some level is affirming a universal objective truth. And the question then becomes, is that guiding you into the good, an objective good? Who gets married thinking, I'm getting married for the purpose of getting divorced? Or I'm going to engage in fill in the blank for uh, immoral activities and um, doesn't experience the negative outcome as a result of that. John Paul interrupted you. No, that's that's kind of where I was going to go with it was Haley had mentioned that there's a need for a common understanding and just how there are different ends that people pursue. And like you're saying, the objective truth thing, um, I think that there is a dangerous excessiveness to the individualism in America today throughout the world. But in America, explain in that, unpack that a little bit. Um, individualism. Yes. Yeah, so the, the the idea that each individual is so unique, which there is a lot of truth to that. Right. Like you see every mm. person as a unique person, an individual who is worthy of love and is worthy of respect and is worthy of honor. But there is also something about us being human 
and us just being alive that demands an understanding of an objective truth because of our nature. Um, and so because of this individualism that that's kind of seeped into our culture of, you know, like if you're respecting this person, that means that you are going to allow them to do whatever they want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and whatever they think is good and true and beautiful, that's what's truly good and true and beautiful. Um, and so something about, uh, tolerance of that, which GK Chesterton talks a lot about how the purpose of having an open mind is to eventually shut it. Hmm. And mm. like, unfortunately, we have this open-minded culture that never shuts it. Explain and, that. Yeah. So to have an open mind for truth, it's good to pursue truth. Um, it's bad to come across truth and then to let it pass like one ear through the other. Um, once you come upon truth, it's worthy of like clasping down and sticking with and defending. Um, Can and I like, pause you for a second? Yeah. So what comes to mind is something you had said maybe two years ago <clears throat> going into Hillsdale or maybe in your first semester. You want to read Mein Kampf, for instance. You want to read the works of Karl Marx. You want to understand these ideas and absorb them and attend to them. So in that sense, open, right? That you're examining the wide range. But at some point... Entering into that are, is a formation for humanity, a formation of what is true and is good, leading you to some sure conclusions that then make you mindful of getting rid of the others. Is that a fair yes. analogy? Yes. And like something that, that has actually changed in me since then is before I would have wanted to read a lot more of like leftist literature or a lot of unorthodox literature, a lot of things from Protestants. And because like you can, you can still find truth or at least like a, a pursuit of some truth in it. And you can learn a lot about who people that you are going to talk to, like where they are coming from. Um, but at the same time, something that has changed in me is this desire, like this understanding that truth is something that's infinite. And so the simplest truth statement mm holds so much in it to unpack. And like, I would rather spend my life understanding what that is rather than looking at what truth isn't. So because, well and, and that's something like a, a contention that I've gotten from some friends who are like more conservative leaning or um, a lot of Catholic friends in particular, or just like Christians that they struggle with when thinking about Hillsdale College is they they say, okay, great, you're in this sort of conservative Mecca. Um, what happens when you leave it? Are you going to be prepared to talk to leftists? Are you and uh I always it's always something that I think about and something that I've realized a bit more is that I think you are better able to effectively engage those that you disagree with when you have a firmer understanding of what you believe in. Mm -hmm. um, so good. Rather than like understanding everything that they believe in and then being because cool you can talk to them about what they believe in but can you talk about like what's true and like i think that there is such a value to like enriching yourself in the truth and drawing your strength from the truth and um and then being able to share it and articulate it and the thing about true things is that they they uphold they fight for themselves as saint augustine says he well, says quite. like truth truth speaks for itself and he points to like jesus christ when asked by pontius pilate like what is true Jesus just stood there. And the reason why is because he was truth itself mm -hmm. and like truth won in, in the end. And so like you don't have to worry about knowing the other person's argument, even though like that is helpful if for anyone that's been in a debate, they can attest that like knowledge of what the other person is going to say. <clears throat> it helps 
in a debate, but more, more important than that is knowing where you stand on something and you're going to be able to articulate it better and fight for it better in that. So yeah, anyways, objective truth, it's very important. Um, and even from a practical standpoint, because like the pursuit of, uh, just like typical education formation today is very like pragmatic. And so looking at it pragmatically, a imagine if we allow this like individual excessivism, um, or excessive individualism, uh, to continue to flourish, you're going to see a lot, you're, you're going to live in contradiction with the people around you and you can't build an ordered society around a contradiction. And so to have a first principle that's being pursued uh, is necessary to live well as an individual and as a community. Wonderful. Haley, anything to add? Just what you said about just now about being well-ordered. That's what the formation of the soul calls for is a well-ordered soul, right? Which is why classical education and a true liberal arts education doesn't just focus on a vocational study. Like it focuses on everything and every subject that you could learn Um, because the end goal as the formation of the soul is to like, like Plato talks about in his Republic, right? Like the, the different sects of government need to correspond to the different parts of the soul because all need to be well ordered in order for the soul to work well. Let's talk about <laughs> some things that impair formation for humanity and start with social media, Twitter culture, potentially impair, because the, 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 the platform itself can be used for good, we know that. But how has its use, uh, as practiced by the masses, been an impediment to formation for humanity? What are some things we need to be aware of? There is no hiding on social media. Um, or, or I should say, there is no hiding from the things that you choose to show. And I think what a lot of people, like as a young woman, right, growing up in a society that is so centered around social media, especially during COVID, that's where we get all of our information from, but so centered around social media, people choose what parts of their lives they want to put out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they never choose the ugly parts, right? They never choose the parts that are real and the parts that will connect you to them as human beings. They choose the cute pictures at the beach or, you know, the pictures with their family that are nice and happy and show everyone is one. But that's not how life is. Um, and so social media, there's like this veil of ignorance that's put over everyone's eyes because mm. we just don't know each other. And that ability to connect, that ability to form those partnerships that would connect us all in this pursuit of truth and in objectivity, um, it becomes so lessened because everyone is subjectively putting what they want to out there. Um, And especially, you know, especially speaking from the perspective as a woman in today's society, right? We see so much immorality on social media, Mm. Um, immodesty, right? Just just saying things behind a screen that you would never repeat in real Mm. life. And we've all done it. You know, I've I've fallen victim to that, too. And my mom, something she's always said to me is, if you put it out there, you better be willing to bring it to my face as well. And I think go mom. (laughs) Um, And I'm so blessed to have have grown up in a household that, you know, put morals above everything else, even if it wasn't in the context of religion. But, you know, that's something that we should all be saying to ourselves, too, with social media. If Christ were right in front of us, would we show him that Instagram that we just Mm -hmm. posted? Would we Mm -hmm. show him that text that we just sent Mm -hmm. to friend? Most of the times, the answer is going to be no. And if you even have to question it, you should get off your phone. Mm -hmm. That just reminds me, quick little 
little honoring of my dad when we were growing up. You know, TV was a big thing. That was our <laughs> our uh, distraction. That was our big media. That's right. And, um, uh, you know, my older siblings, so I'm one of 12, 11th out of 12. So they'd be watching different shows, whatever it was. Bonanza. You know? Not bananas. Gunsmoke. But like even Happy Days or Three's Company or, you know, all these whatever shows that were on during that era. And my dad um, would be walking through and his line to us was, would you be watching that if the um, second person of the Blessed Trinity was sitting next to you? Well, he is. So turn that trash <laughs> off. <laughs> but it's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. We tend to separate and... Um, so very well put. Mm-hmm. So Marsha McLuhan, a father of media, said the medium is the message that beyond the content of what we choose or not choose, the medium itself, does that pose an impediment to formation for humanity? And kind of what I'm getting at, I guess, is is there is there an absence of communication person to person, the full human experience, and uh, literally a loss among many in your generation and ours, of a full human engagement. What, what's been lost? Mm. Yeah, something that I, I think about when thinking about education, and I'll, I'll bring social media into this, is education comes from the Latin educare, which means to lead forth. Um, and so there are two things with that is one, like, where are you being led? And the second is who is leading you? Um, and so when with social media, if you are allowing yourself to, and with, with everything that you expose yourself to, you're being educated by it. Um, like with every form of media that you are choosing to be exposed to, that becomes your educator. It's telling you something about the world. It's telling you something about yourself. And so I think first and foremost, an issue with social media is that you are allowing it to tell you about what is good and like like what is beautiful um and so like with with that something that it tells you is that you are able to have community with people you're not actually in communion with Mm -hmm. um Mm. and that's like something that we've seen a lot with covid that's happened is and like to to an extreme but it's i think the same idea has come from it is uh, the amount of stories that i've heard of people that have died and their families aren't able to see them. And the like the other way, the way around this that has been pursued is, oh, like FaceTime them. And it's like, I would not want to FaceTime a relative while they're dying. I'd want to be by their side. Um, and I think everyone feels that. I don't think anyone is like able to just sit back in their kitchen, like eating popcorn while their relative is laying in bed dying. Like that's, there's, there's, a huge issue with this idea of separation. Um, and it, it tells you something about like, are we are, we are made to be in communion with another person. Um, and so with social media, it's, it, and additionally, I think, I think the, um, the statistic is that I, I think somebody looks at a social media post for three seconds before moving on to the next one. Mm. Um, Three seconds sounds like a long time because I look at it for maybe half a second and then keep going. Um, and so, like, you don't, you can't get to know somebody mm-hmm. like by looking at it, by looking at any picture. Um, you definitely can't get to know somebody by looking at a picture for three seconds. And um, like, I think it's it's not. There's nothing like truly like social about like that media. Um, and 
that now it's done a lot of good. I appreciate it a lot. I have it. Um, but it very quickly does become an educator for something bad. Um, and that badness mainly being it, it keeps people from being able to enter into the world around them. I remember being challenged by, this is funny, uh, Dr. Thomas Connor, um, amazing history professor at Hillsdale College. Um, he, he taught my Western heritage class and I remember him just like, I was having a conversation with him after class and he was telling me that the issue with social media is that it signals to everyone around you that you don't want to be with them. Like mm-hmm. when you, when you get on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, now I think that that's a little extreme. Um, but I do see where he's coming from in that, like, we are at where we are meant to be at. And once you go on social media and once you spend especially an excessive amount of time on social media, it's kind of telling God, like, oh, I don't want to be where you've placed me. Um, and so, like, again, there's a lot of good in it. I, I appreciate being able to see what's going on in a friend's life. Um, but I do think that it can very quickly become a temptation uh, like to separation and also isolation. Right. Without even realizing it. And the... Um... The especially um, if it's a choice right. over social connection, that's a difference. If you have a social opportunity and to be with people versus media, that to me is where I would maybe agree with you. I don't know if social act social media, if it, if there's no other opportunity or engagement, hopefully one is using that as a as a tool that flows out of meaningful, deep personal connections. Yeah. But is there sometimes the question then is, is there a need for that then? Because I think sometimes we just miss what may be coming or maybe, you know, being a catalyst for another connection. But I love what you said about, you know, missing, I forget how you said it. Sorry, Jake. But the um, what's what's around us, what mm-hmm. the Lord has in front of us and the opportunities that he, his will is for us to enter into mm-hmm. this person or Gosh, you know, if we breathed and stepped back without having to grab the phone to check even the weather or, you know, our emails or, you know, the latest Facebook post or whatever, but like to to allow that space to um, be aware of his spirit at work in you. Like, okay, maybe I'm supposed to, you know, call somebody or go across the street to talk to a neighbor or go do this or go do that. I mean, we're missing out on so much formation through life mm. because of the distraction. And I think we're being formed more and more at every age from the littles to old people, um, which we're quickly climbing that way, love. <laughs> um, but the, the, just the immediacy, it's like right there at our fingertips and, oh, I can do that right now. And yes, and then it becomes a checklist of, oh, I did this, I did that, I needed to do that. And some of that stuff is important. And yes, you know, needs responded to right away. But I just, I, you know, everything is right then, right then, right then, instead of impulse, again, just leaving the space of for mm. grace to be at work to leaving mm. for to leave the space for relationships to happen for those human connections to happen. And I find even with myself, when I've been on my phone for whatever reasons um uh like short like if it's a consistent day or two where i'm on it more than usual like i find myself being challenged with when i'm talking with somebody to really stay focused in on the conversation without my mind kind of you know because it is it's like i was like gosh i've just been in this okay you know swipe to this or check this or whatever and it's like no we need to be right there you know and 
Um, and it really does distract us from so much. Two things. So I think if the check impulse was transformed into prayer, we'd be a civilization of saints. Think about that, folks. I'm speaking to myself. If that impulse to check unnecessarily, which is 90% of the time, 95% of the time, we really need to check. If that impulse were transformed into turning to God in our hearts and in our minds, we'd be a civilization of saints. Point number one. Number two, just encouraging you all to access books such as Catherine Price's How to Break Up with Your Phone. We've recommended that in the past. She's not proposing uh, as radical as the title suggests to get rid of your phone, but she brings really clear data of neurology and what is built into these devices that we carry in our pockets to foster addiction. Tristan Harris speaks of this in The Social Dilemma, and he brings great wisdom and insight. These are not speaking from a Catholic Christian perspective. They're talking about the threat to humanity, though, that is inherent as a result of trying to compete in this economy of attention or the attention economy. They're all competing in the attention economy for a little piece of land of us, and that is building into their algorithms and such a capacity to addict us. And we're buying it if we're not aware of it. So we're buying it hook, hook line, and sinker. One other comment I want to make quickly is, um, and I don't remember who touched on this, but like the, the, I think it was you, John Paul, you know, the looking at a post for three seconds and that's where we're getting our information or whatever, something in the formation through a classical education, if you will, um, in the humanities for the humanities, uh, is something I love about Hillsdale and the program that we use also mother of divine grace. Like you go to the source. Mm. It's not just what someone's saying about something, but it's like actually delving into and digesting and entering into like the actual mm. source, you know, like you mentioned Aristotle, Haley, Plato, you know, yep. Plato and, um, you know, just these different writings. I think of the, the condition of our country right now, Oh, gosh, don't get me started <laughs> on so many levels. But and I've heard this over and over again over the last weeks, like we have <laughs> lost are the we've lost a generation or two who were not educated in civics, who were not formed in what it means to be the United States of America, what government is for, what we are supposed to be as a part of that. What is the good? Dr. Arne. You're funny in um, saying, don't get me started. It's, we have 289 episodes of six years. <laughs> We're down the road, honey, of started. We are Every on our way. Every episode starts with talking no, about it. No, no, exactly. No. So, but you understand what I'm saying and feel free to jump in, but just we, we need to go back to the basics, to go back to the source, to go back to that truth, which again, all comes back to the truth in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. But just that we, do, we need to go there. Haley, go there right now. Right. Well, and I think it's important what we've kind of touched on is that social media can lend itself to good. And as long as it's fulfilling its purpose, right, because mm -hmm. that is virtue is fulfilling your purpose mm -hmm. on this earth. That is the good. Um, and so social media as its purpose for me, obviously, as a as a as a youngster and also as someone who's like whose role in Hillsdale's admissions process and student activities is strictly media related. Um, I've seen that as memory. So mm -hmm. I social media, it's not realistic to tell people, right, social media is bad, don't mm -hmm. use right. it. Yeah. They're going to because it's it is our main mode mm -hmm. of communication these days, or it shouldn't be, but you know, it's how we connect with people. It's another method. Um, but how you're using it can really determine 
it's good or can determine its purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, the most impactful way that I've seen that, and also, Mr. Schleter, I mean, you were showing us videos last night from your kid's childhood, you know, from when they were just little babies and we're singing to each other. If we didn't have social media, if we didn't have Mm. that medium where we could remember those things in that way, right, in that visual pictures, Mm. we wouldn't we wouldn't really understand like the importance of those memories or maybe we would, but we wouldn't be able to come back to them as quickly. So that sort Mm. of immediate, right, that sort of having something recalled very quickly because you can see it on a screen, I think that's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that if we use it for that purpose, social media can be really beautiful as long as as it's not overtaking our life. Folks, you're tuned into Ignite Radio Live over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio. We are with John Paul Schleter and Haley Strack from Hillsdale. And we're discussing the subject of formation for humanity, that we come into this world uh, created in the likeness and image of God in Jesus Christ to be formed. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about, I think, that that does require a sense of humility because it is an ongoing process until we meet our maker. And even, you know, theologians speak of this sense of us being formed through all eternity. There's going to be an ever greater abundance of our becoming what we are once we hopefully God willing and follow his path. But the purpose on this side is to be formed for the other side, right? And and it's a participation already right now. It's a participation in eternal things right now. We've talked about the degree to which this culture kind of upends that by making it seem that we can determine the good on our own. It's our feelings and our desires. Uh, And obviously we know that that's not true that uh, the, the, the lines of the road are paved and we need to discover those and the joy and the delight that comes from them. And let's face it, opportunities where we need to sacrifice ourselves, it goes contrary to what our passions or desires or where they're leading. We need to form those passions and desires. A word that jumps out though, as we've been talking about social media is communication or to commune. Literally it means with unity, if you break apart that word. So we see it in the form of communication And it's a good, really, guide to ask the question, is our language, is what we're saying fostering unity, authentic unity? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, community. Are we uh, engaged in this process of becoming one, which is, let's face it, an icon of the Trinity, Trinity of persons, the holy community. We are of the fabric of the Trinity, and the greatest joy and delight is in community. And against the backdrop of the last year, where people have been isolated for a whole number of reasons related to COVID, we've discovered the degree, I think, everybody in which we are made for community and meaningful interaction and engagement. So you're in our age, John Paul, you experience a lot of uh, those who are in your hall lamenting, struggling, having great difficulties mm-hmm. because of the COVID restrictions, shall we say. Is it is okay to go to class face-to-face and in person, is that, is that a, is that, why is that a surpassing form of formation or education than Zoom? So everyone comes to campus, uh, fall semester, coming from different walks of life, different places. Some people know each other, some people don't. And Spirit Week gives all of campus the opportunity to be unified in something. And it gets super competitive. And, and the dorm that I'm in, in particular, gets a lot of flack for taking things too seriously. Um, apparently, like, we're too competitive. Um, and the reason why everyone says that is because they're all jealous of us winning all the time. But um, something through it all is that it brings people together. 
um like by the end of spirit week everyone is like unified in some sense you know just about everyone in the dorm that competed and that's a good percentage of, of people and it all points to this reality that the dorm is more than just a place to sleep but it's a place where you are living in community with brothers um and similarly like hillsdale college like it's more than just a place to learn um like it's a place where you begin to discover what it means to be like a human being um like through through your pursuit of your studies and and through life and um and like you you just realize that you cannot find fulfillment without another person um you cannot find fulfillment without community like our our very nature is like constantly crying out to be seen and like known and loved as well as like to give love and to see someone and to hear someone and like you need another person in that and so the fostering of community is so important um and like just human nature is constantly crying out for it what's that fine balance between you as an RA are entrusted with with um, making sure that rules are followed and there are consequences. There's a code for the college itself. So it's a fine line between obviously promulgating it and imposing it and allowing someone to recognize its truth and own it through their own trials and tribulations. Yeah. Um, a story that comes to mind is um, there, there are certain rules for uh, the behavior of guys and girls in the dorm. So, like, sex is not allowed in the dorms. And, like, one of, one of the reasons why is because, like, again, like, the dorm is built for community for the purpose of, like, being virtuous. Um, but when, when I've been in the situations of having to deal with things like that happening, I've, I've had to pull the, the person aside, the resident, so the guy living in, in the dorm, and, like, tell him, like, hey, like, we have to have two conversations here. Um, the first conversation I want to have as an RA, and that conversation is just, look, we have very few rules, like, in this dorm, and this is one of them, and you broke it, and, like, you know why. Like, I don't have to get into that. But the second conversation that I want to have is just, like, as a brother who cares about you, and, like, that conversation opens the door to hearing about what's going on in his life, to talking about, like, what's healthy for him mm. and her to talking about like what love is. And so, um, so there are, there are rules. And the thing about rules is that like, they're meant to give like a structure of life. Um, and like that structure that life should be like something that's virtuous. Um, and we talk a lot about at Hillsdale, like self-government and a lot of people, they're like, Oh, people should be able to have alcohol in the dorms. Like how can the Dean say like, there shouldn't be, they're trying to take away your self-government. Um, but the point of it is that we're, we're rising to self-government and we're doing it so that we can live well. Mm. And you need, you need rules, you need structure, you need order in order to live well. And then you also need those that are willing to like walk with you as you're in the process of maybe going through a state of life where you're not living super well into a state of life where you're living well. And, um, and in every, in every circumstance and like Haley, you might be able to touch on this a little bit, but it, it very often kind of depends upon the community that you're surrounding yourself with. Like those, those that are like choosing to, um, to be with people that like want what's best for them and are willing to challenge you when you aren't doing something well. I've been so blessed by that. Like when I've, been like a little crazy or like have like said some things and like to have a brother that like will pull me aside and be like hey like maybe you shouldn't have said that or like you could have done this a lot better um but i don't know if you have anything to say on that yeah well that like 
that can really only be accomplished, those conversations face-to-face. And especially looking into someone's eyes, right? Eyes are the window to the soul. Looking into someone's Mm. eyes and saying, you messed up or saying, you can improve this way or even just understanding each other more on a level Mm. of like, why is this good? Why is this bad? And what can we learn from each other? That can only happen in person. And that's why Hillsdale has been so intent on keeping education in person because that is how education is supposed to be performed. Mm. Um, And so that's, you know, you can see it as Hillsdale, this conservative college just slapping Governor Whitmer in the face. What we see it as education as an exercise of pursuit of knowledge, mm. right? Mm. And we're not giving that up for anything. Mm. Um, so That's so awesome. Hillsdale isn't some crickety old guy school, you know, just trying to <laughs> stick it to the government. Um, but especially in way of community, and like you were talking about Spirit Week, I'm on the Student Activities Board. And um, at some colleges, you know, it could be seen as just another, another way to get students out there, to get them engaged in community. Um, and while it is that at Hillsdale, our mission statement is very beautiful, and I just pulled it up. And it's to purposely, purposefully benefit, enhance, and serve as a voice to the student community of Hillsdale by providing social events and opportunities that are fun, safe, and encourage the growth and development of friendships on campus. Mm. Um, So especially with classical education or with Hillsdale's education specifically, everything is very intentional. Um, So we don't just have a student activities board so kids can go or students can go bowling some night or that students can have a fun concert or just all gather together. We have them because it develops their soul by commuting. Um, And so while, you know, while you can have that in some sense through social media, it needs to be established through something greater, which is community. Yeah, and like SAB's thing, like it ends kind of explaining its purpose and that it's it's for developing friendship. And like everything, something that I very much appreciate about the college that I'm at is its awareness that like friendship is even higher than just like going to classes. That like that the college recognizes that it's, job in our life is to kind of provide a structure for friendship in the pursuit of truth. And so it provides like that sort of pursuit of truth side, but something that uh, we quote a lot probably to excess is Mark Twain's statement that um, don't let school get in the way of your education. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of other schools that I, that I hear about, that seems to be the case, um, hmm. that there's a lot of like busy work or there's a lot of... Um, even maybe just like a lack of understanding of what friendship is and um, like their their student activities boards will just like you said like just provide something that people will have fun for um, but like what I what I notice is that in many of the events of at Hillsdale there are often things that like bring people together in groups um, like they they bring teams of people together and like they bring friends together and friends like grow in friendship through that like most of my closest friends i've met at an sab event Mm. um and like they are like they're the people that encourage me like to be better and and yeah like friendship is like you you need that because like hillsdale college i'm going to be graduating in may of 2023 and then hillsdale college is behind me but like the friends that i've made will continue to be like ones that like will challenge me and like will be ones that like push me to be a better person and I need that for the rest of my life. Awesome, both of you. You are tuned into Ignite Radio Live with Greg and Stephanie Schleter. And we're talking about formation for humanity, the lifelong 
pursuit of being chiseled as we spoke of Michelangelo and David to take away all that is not us and leave us with that unique person God has called us to, to give him glory and imitate him forever and ever. That's the purpose of our existence. And I just want to land here with a consideration of Catholicism. So the Catholic dimension, and maybe in particular at Hillsdale, which is not a Catholic college, they did declare themselves as a Christian college, but with all the opportunities out there with some good Catholic name colleges, just speaking particularly to Hillsdale College, how has it been, how is it an occasion of greater Catholic formation to more fully understand your Catholic identity and mission? If Mm -hmm. I can share more of a personal anecdote that goes back to community, but specifically Catholic community in the context of Hillsdale. Um, So I, you know, I'm going through Rite of Catholic Initiation for adults through St. Anthony's, which is the local parish in Hillsdale. Um, And I am so blessed (laughs) to be going through it at St. Anthony's where people take their Catholic faith seriously. Um, But that that transcends, obviously, the local community into the college. And I think most of it comes from the college as the college is kind of like the sole business provider for Hillsdale County. Um, But the first time, actually, I met John Paul... um, and I don't know if you know this, but I the, don't. Fir- the first time you're I hearing met it live Paul, <laughs> here tonight, folks, um, was actually in a dorm. So he was hanging hmm. out with some of his friends and I came out in the hallway and it was it was my dorm. Visiting hours were acceptable. <laughs> it was well before 12. Um, but I came out there and he had just gotten a phone call. And I don't know if you feel comfortable sharing what that phone call was, maybe a little later, but it was something that was pretty jarring, and I could tell he was upset, had no idea who he was, um, but I went up to him and I asked if he was okay. Mm. And we went on our way, you know, we, we knew who each other was, but we didn't have a lot of interaction, and then the next... I think it must have been in the next coming weeks. Uh, we saw each other again at a friendly outing. And I remember the last thing John Paul said to me was, how can I pray for you? Mm. And I had never had someone ask me that before mm. um, and genuinely felt like they meant it. So I think, I mean, that's obviously the Catholic Society at Hillsdale and the Grotto and every every opportunity we have to pray together, to learn together, to be in partnership and in communion mm. with that Catholic faith. Um, that's beautiful. But it goes individually as well. You know, the amount of times I'm sure John Paul's asked someone, how can I pray for you, meant it, and actually prayed for them after is great. Um, and it, it that, that kind of personal connection is so genuine and mm. sincere. And that's because people are able to take their faith seriously when, when other students recognize the gravity of truth. That's awesome and moving. Folks, we need to come in for a landing now. Hopefully we'll have Haley and John Paul back at another occasion. And uh, hopefully tonight has just been a really great opportunity for us to even consider the fact that we were made for a purpose. And God gives us many contexts to be formed for that purpose and to surround ourselves by a community of people who are going to live that purpose. I might say that the you know measure of our partaking of Holy Communion is the degree to which we are participating in forming holy community. And we need to kind of more and more consider, well, what does that mean? You heard some words tonight that maybe we took for granted. What does friendship mean? What does humanity mean? What does formation mean? What does Catholic mean? Because these are like mines that, that you know, gold mines. And if we mine the depth of these, God is, is in there. 
and inviting us into this great intimacy with him now and for all eternity. On that note, I'm going to put John Paul on the spot, as I usually do, just to land us. Some of you are grandparents or parents, and uh, perhaps you're lamenting, you know, what, whatever direction your kids or grandkids are in. Maybe you, you switched over from hearing Led Zeppelin and we're going through the dial and landed here. We're glad you're here for that. I love classical rock also. We welcome you. And uh, you can go back and listen to this whole episode at IgniteRadioLive.com. But we're going to land with a prayer now just in seeking God's grace in uh, being formed for humanity. Lay it on us, John Paul. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, enlighten our hearts to know what it means to be formed by you. Jesus Christ, give us the grace to pursue you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for everyone listening to this episode of Ignite Radio Live. I ask that you'd bless them. I ask that you'd bless their hearts. I ask that you'd bless their families right now. That all of the difficulties that they are going through, that they would be aware of your presence in it. Jesus, show, it what it, show us what it means to be truly human. Thank you for the example that you gave us. Mary, thank you for the example that you gave us. Mary, show us what it means to say yes to God. Heavenly Father, we lay our lives down at the altar of you, that we would see the altar as a school of learning for our soul. Mm. Form our souls as you desire. Help us to get out of the way and let you start working. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So blessed to be with you tonight. Until next time, God bless you. Oh,